Take two. It's Kandashow's okay. Beatle Revolution. One, two, three, four. On iHeartRadio. In the studio with me, one of the greatest musicians I'll ever have the chance to sit and talk music with, Lenny Kravitz. Welcome back oh, that's to very nice. Thank you, man. It's good to be here. Oh, your heart is big as an ocean, and that comes through on the music, man. Oh, I mean that you, sincerely. Man. And congratulations back on BMG. Kind of got the whole thing back together again. And yeah, man. It's uh, I guess it's been like three or four years since the last record. So um, yeah, it's been a while. I'm really uh, excited to have just made this record that that. I'm just feeling so much. It's called Raise Vibration. It's called Raise Vibration. It was it was a gift. I dreamt the album. Really? And you know that happens that happens on on each record that I make. I dream, you know, songs. But I can't say that I've dreamt an entire album. <laughs> and that's what happened this time around. Isn't that something? Yeah. You know, he listen, Lenny is one of the biggest Beatle fans in the entire world. Oh, yeah. And we always talk about you know, talk about dreaming an album, dreaming concepts, dreaming, mm -hmm. you know, it flowed through those guys like open fire hydrants. Yes. And you even talked about that there was a dry spell here, that you just weren't feeling inspired. Not Look, you're a professional songwriter. If I asked you for cash, if you well, need it, you could knock out a it, song. Yes. But that's not the point. Exactly. It was more conceptual. It was more that, it wasn't that I couldn't write. It was that what I was doing d didn't feel authentic to who I was at that moment. And I was also listening to a lot of people who were saying, oh, you should do this, you should do that. <laughs> and I never do that. But people are saying, you know, drop your ego and, you know, do this and try that. You've never done. And for me, it, it, it was it was they were actually wrong because it was never about ego. It was just this is the way I work. I right. work this way. I work by myself. Yes, I play all the instruments or I do. The, it's not because I'm trying to have this ego or be a, a control freak. It was just that this is the way I work, like a painter paints. Mm -hmm. He paints or she paints and doesn't need 10 other people to paint, <laughs> you know? And so I listened to all these people and I said, let me be open and let me try. To, and I did all kinds of things that were actually very educational and, and interesting, but it didn't feel like me. Mm -hmm. So I stopped and I waited and I just said, gotta have faith. Let me just go live my life. I got real quiet for about a month. I stayed down in the Bahamas and um, kept my feet in the dirt. And then I woke up in the middle of the night, one night with a song in my head, and it all started. Lenny Kravitz. That is such an honest moment. It seems like where it all flows from. It is because I want to be inspired. I want to do what is in my soul, what is in my subconscious. I want to really let that out and it to be 100% what I've been given, mm -hmm. you know? We, we're all given something, we all have a gift. You're gonna get something that I'm not gonna get, and that's wonderful, and I'm gonna listen to you, you know? I just want it to be authentic, especially at this point in life, you know? It's just like, that's so important. We talk about that all the time on the Breakfast with the Beatles, the mm -hmm. podcast. They, you go from doing covers, and every band is doing Chuck Berry. And, you exactly. know, the Stones are doing Route 66, and they're singing Little Richard, mm -hmm. and they're singing Broadway show tunes, you know, until there was you. And then, you, as Paul's always said, we had to go through all this until we realized, what's our style? What's our sound? Well, we're our sound. That's a beautiful evolution. And that's that when yeah. that moment happens, you realize what you're thinking, what you're writing, what you're hearing, mm -hmm. that's what you're supposed to sound like? Exactly. Uh, 
Exactly. And then off we go and we get Let R- Love Rule and we mm-hmm. got these incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people say, I remember when the first one came out uh, and it was just like very Hendrix-like. You mean like it's great and it sounds like rock and roll and the guitars mm-hmm. are amazing. It's it's not copying were, a style. There, were, there was they so didn't get many influences. Yeah, the, it's all of it. They didn't. <laughs> I would hear that the record sounded like 30 different people. So I was <laughs> Then like, you knew you did it right. Okay, well then, you know. Then you did it people right. People were hearing all kinds of things, but it it, it was it was, you know, an accumulation of, of everything that taught me, just like anybody else. There was a lot of Beatles in there too, you know. I, I know uh, for especially <laughs> with the with the vocals and uh, the big harmonies. I was just a huge fan of of that. There's a gentleman whose song you covered and did a brilliant job on, American Woman. Your American mm. Woman is incredible. And Randy Bachman is a friend of mine who said to send his best. Oh, that's sweet. Sends all his love. Great Those guys, guy. I, you know, Burton. And that was a great win-win for everybody. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was asked to do that for the Spy Who Shagged Me movie. For, <laughs> for Austin Powers. And I, and, and I was like, how am I going to redo this song? It's perfect. There's not, it, Right. You can't do anything to this song. But... I thought about it for uh, an afternoon and just kind of went in and did it and, you know, became this big hit and I got a Grammy and, you know, I had no idea. And then I get a call from the guys and they were so pleased. So it was just it was just wonderful. And it also um, got people to hear them again. Exactly. And, you know, apparently there was some um, new houses bought and (laughs) they went out on tours. I was like, this is great. Everybody's. Everybody's, Everybody happy. Everybody's happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's what Randy sat exactly where you're sitting, and we, we've had the same conversation. We've been friends for years. Mm. And when he said, whenever anybody asks me, did you ever have any, your Western Canada, any formal music education? He mm. said, yes, I bought Beatle records. <laughs> I, sat, exactly. I sat with my guitar and a 45, you know, my little mm-hmm. record player and a, a piece of paper and went, now what's that? Okay. And just uh, before I wore them out, we'd go buy another single. He said, that's how I learned. To construct a song, I learned where things fit. I never, I couldn't, I didn't think I'd attain that level. Mm-hmm. But at least you learn form and you learn harmonies. How Absolutely. does that work? For and- me, record records was education. Yes, I did have some uh, training, and I, I, you know, I had a classical career when I was eleven through fifteen. I was in a boys' choir and sang with the Metropolitan Opera and all the symphonies, and I, I had that, um, which taught me a lot. But most of what I know is from records. And from so many different kinds of records. And that's how I learned about arranging and rhythm and playing. And that was the beauty of that time, you know, uh, where people actually played on records all the time. Right. And you could actually identify who was who. You listen to a record and you say, ah, oh, I can hear that snare drum. I can hear that pop. That's so-and-so. Right. Or I could hear- Nobody sounded like Ringo, you know? His pickups, who his by, little Who, fits. by the way, on Let Love Rule... My inspiration for drumming was Ringo Starr and Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and two drummers that people wouldn't... Well, Stevie, first of all, people don't think of Stevie Wonder as a drummer. Oh, but, but listen, yeah. listen to those records where he's playing all those drums. Such a lyrical drummer playing for the song, serving the song. And that's what's so great about Ringo, too. Um, I hear lots of drummers, these uber drummers. Mm-hmm. Ringo can't play, you know. Yeah. You know. Um Try it. I dare to see you. Yep. Uh, I heard the news today. I dare you to play that as lyrically, as beautiful, as poetic. Ringo, when he goes around the toms, does it like nobody else. Because he's talking when he does that. Yeah. We do. Uh, we did live breakfast with the Beatles a few times a year, mm. and uh, we're celebrating 
uh, the Sgt. Pepper's album, and we're mm. doing Lovely Rita. And Mark Rivera and Little Steven are my guys. We have a mm. live band. And they say, Kent, play the drums on one. Mm. And I am an amateur. At, at, at the best, I'm an amateur. I wouldn't get on stage and even rehearse with you. I'm so bad. But I'm just good about to do one song. Mm. Just the fills on just Lovely Rita. Ba, ba. He's talking. It's, it's a so spoken important. word. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you listen to Paul's bass and just how bubbly and just the the choice of notes and the, you can hear his fingers. And, you know, that that's what I miss today in music, hearing. And that's why I play the instruments, because everybody, I hand you the bass, you sound like you. And him the bass, it sounds like him. You hand me the bass, it sounds like me. Same bass, same amp, different hands, different person. And so I miss hearing all of that personality of people's hands playing instruments. Everything sounds so homogenized now. Everybody's using the same equipment and everyone's just smashing it down with all these compressors and everything just doesn't breathe anymore. But it's coming back. Is it? I, I think I, so. I trust I, your. I, I, I trust here, your voice in this because when I, you know, everybody makes fun of me. Oh, you know, you're old now. Like, no, no, no. I listen to top forty music, and I truly cannot tell because of the production values, one from the other. And if you're going to quantize and pitch correct Absolutely. every single note, where's the where's the feel? The feel is in where's the mistakes, the, is in the lag, or the speed Absolutely. up, or the or the change. There's a joke that's going around. It's just my saddest favorite joke. What does the Pro Tools engineer say to the young ingenue singer? That sucked. Come on in. Because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, that's good. <laughs> Lenny and I and you, we all grew up on a band taking a shot of whiskey or a beer and going, mm. right, let's try that again. Come on, man, kick ass on this one. Let's mm. kick this thing. And and you feel that energy from the, the very first notes of Let Love Rule or Are You Gonna Go My Way? Bana, it's there. You're, it's alive. Thank it's you. a living, breathing song. And from the first time I heard you, I said, this guy gets oh, it. Thank you. And who says that tempo has to always be steady? Yes, in certain kinds of music, yeah. If you're, But even in James Brown records, there's things that pull back. Yep. You know? Pull back for a moment. The two and the four pulls back, or the crash on the one is laid back. So you feel <laughs> that anticipation. That's part of music. Breath, you know? And... As you said, when everything is quantized and everything is perfect, it it's just becomes it becomes sterile. It becomes sound, but it's and, not music the way you and I when we think of music. You know, and then there's people who were great with instruments, uh, with with electronic instruments or drum machines like Prince, who knew how to play those things and beat <laughs> them into submission. <laughs> you know, and 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 had a feel with it. You're absolutely you know? right. Lenny's new album, Raise Vibration. Um, so I'm a Beatles geek. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I, I love the Beatles. Everybody, you guys listening, a Q1043 audience loves the Beatles. No, no. Lenny. Lenny Kravitz. Mm -hmm. Mr. Kravitz. He is the ultimate Beatle fan. I believe it's true, mm -hmm. or it could be a rock and roll urban legend. Mm -hmm. I believe, sir, that you purchased the board from Abbey Road Studios, from that little white building at yes, EMI. Yes, I, ha I had that board for many, many, many years. The the board, the two-track, and the eight-track. You bought the whole kit and caboodle. Yes, yes, <gasps> yes. I bow to you. I bow to you as a god amongst made, men. Made, made a lot of my records through some of the equipment. What did we? What were some of the records we heard? Um, through them? Are You Gonna Go My Way was the first one. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, there's magic in those capacitors. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. And yeah. you had to, audio engineers take it apart, right, and carefully reassemble it. Well, it was in, it was built like a tank. 
that old equipment, man. <laughs> yeah, the, all it, steel. It's like they're like tanks, and so it it was. In, I mean, yeah, it needed some care, but it it was together, and so that was a that was a <laughs> amazing. Great. And then, um, I mean, I've, I've I've just been blessed to be around. You know, have great Beatle moments in my life. You know, when I met Yoko and Sean, which was at this uh, John Lennon tribute in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I think Sean was like thirteen, or they let me borrow one of John's guitars for a while. I had, you know, when they're on the roof playing that last concert, yeah. and and uh, John's playing that. Is it, an epi- is it a casino? It's it's stripped of the paint. It's just wood. Right, right, right. I had that guitar in my loft for like two months, <laughs> playing it, and you know, I got to I got to play his Rickenbacker live on stage. I would Yoko let me use it on stage. Oh, cool, and, beyond cool. Yeah, it's just you know magical stuff that. You know, when you were 12, you say someone told you this was going to happen, you know. I had that conversation with Steve Van Zant a while back. He, The last time, Paul McCartney's last show, mm-hmm. uh, he brings up Bruce and little Steven mm-hmm. to do I Saw Her Standing There oh, wow. for the encore. And he said, we're just about to go on, and they put guitars on us. He goes, I didn't know we were going to play. Right. And just before we are going to go on stage, Bruce turns to me and says, can you imagine in our bedrooms oh, when we were kids in with New the records Jersey, playing, with yeah. the records playing that we are about to walk on stage with this man and play that song? Yeah, and it comes time for George's lead, mm-hmm. and McCartney turns to Bruce, like who's going to play, and right. says, "Take it." Right, and Bruce turns to Stephen and goes, "It's yours." Twenty thousand Beatle fans who know I'm the Beatle fan going, "Don't screw this up. You'll never hear the end of it." Uh, and he and they got through it. He goes, more pressure than I've ever had on stage doing anything in my life. I'm sure. Playing that. He goes, loved it, joyous. He goes, but, oh, my God. Like, the, the weight of what the moment is. And Paul is still killing it. Have you seen him recently? I saw him, like, a couple years ago in Paris. Unbelievable. Opens with uh, Helter Skelter. <laughs> Full voice, screaming. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, unbelievable. Brian, yeah. Brian Ray, his uh, guitarist, who stands stage left, mm-hmm. the blonde guy's a friend, been yes. up a lot. And he, Great player. He is, really yeah. knows it. He, he's 17 years old, you're Ed James music director. You want to talk about yeah. learning the biz. Uh, and he, he said, like, as opposed to any other band, where you're the bass player, you're the guitar player. Mm-hmm. Paul likes to switch things up sometimes. Well, that's what I love. I love when they switch. Yeah. Yeah. And he just might say, if you're, hey, Lenny, you, you know, you play bass on this one. Mm-hmm. I feel like the leads. So he said, so you not only don't have to know 200 songs you have to know all the parts because you know next week he might want me to play bass on it or i'll play lead we'll just say hey tonight why don't you and rusty switch yeah you play rhythm i'll play okay there's no such thing as i don't know it you know <laughs> you've got to be on your toes and listen to all this music and you realize from solo i said you play three hours and between his solo career and beatles you can barely scratch the surface mm-hmm. of what this incredible human being has come up with and still is the lightest happiest person hey yeah how you doing you know it walks through the streets of new york last time i saw him he was coming out of central park jogging had a water bottle in his hand hey paul that's a way to carry yourself lenny kravitz my special guest we're talking about songwriting and inspiration as much as we love the beatles we're Mm -hmm. talking about ringo have you ever met ringo have you ever played with him i have not played with ringo no i've i've been around uh paul really but I, 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 w- I would love to meet Ringo. We kind of make that happen. So yeah. where are you? Because here's the thing about Lenny Kravitz. You've grown up Beverly Hills and New York. Well, I, I started, I was born in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Okay. Right. So Brooklyn man. So Brooklyn, two Brooklynites right here. My, my, my Caribbean grandparents were Bed-Stuy. My Jewish grandparents were in Sheepshead Bay. That's where I grew up. Sheepshead Bay. Oh, East 21st. 3311 Shore Parkway. <laughs> 
<laughs> the whole you realize the whole world comes back to Brooklyn. All Dude. the cool kids. So <laughs> so and then and then was on the Upper East Side for um, growing up, and then my mom got a, a TV show in L.A. The Jeffersons, and then we moved when I was eleven. We moved to L.A. Um, I didn't we didn't live in Beverly Hills, but I got in the school. They they took me for my music, and um, and then I started coming back and forth. Yeah, we we did an interview uh, years back. We were in Miami. If you remember, and there was a, a listener, you know, who asked a question that I, I was able to repeat to you, and it was just, it was a beautiful answer, and I hope you don't mind me bringing it up and talking mm. about it because it's, it cuts to the heart of things. But she said, "Were you was a little girl? She said, were you always this cool? Were you always so cool?" And you explained what life was like at Beverly Hills High. Uh-huh. You said, "I'm the slightly chubby black Jewish kid," <laughs> and everybody went, "Got it." And you, s- you said to her, no, I'm just like everybody else trying to find out where you fit in. You know, life is a, it's an amazing journey, man. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just really happy uh, that I, you know, the way I grew up, the things I got to see and hear. I mean, growing up in New York City at that time in the 70s, man, in the early 70s, um, it was just vibrant. Just all the music. We were, music was everywhere. And my parents took me everywhere. So I got to go to concerts, and they didn't leave me at home. They wanted me to see. So I was seeing plays, and I was seeing symphonies, and I was going to the opera and the ballet and going up to the Apollo to see James Brown. Madison Square Garden, my first concert, the Jackson 5. Wow. With the the Commodores opening, (laughs) you know? And one of my best friends, who I'm still, we're family, um, a kid named Adam Bernstein, his dad was the great Sid Bernstein, who brought the Beatles to America. Dear, dear friends, Sid so and I... Sid, Sid was like my godfather. I, You know, in all the years we talked, I'm, I'm so sorry, Sid. We never, I never knew that. Oh, Sid was... Wonderful. Oh, my God. He was the most beautiful man, the most beautiful father. Aww. He would just have all the kids in his lap <laughs> and just hugging and kissing on him. And, and you know, up until... I mean, I, I went to his funeral. I mean, up mm. until he passed, we were... All very close, and you know, always going up to Patsy's. That was his. Yes, that was his spot. Got to go to a lot of concerts with Sid as a kid too. You know, uh, Letty. Oh, my, that's. I good. have to tell you something. <laughs> Your new album mm. is wonderful. That I... is good. <laughs> that is good. You sound just like him. <laughs> You're just such a sweet man, and with like you know that he, this avuncular character they just hug you and there was not a drop of weirdness about that true no, no. love he true was, parental he was pure love love yeah that, and that's you know my dad who i loved very much and who we you know we we found our way at the end but my dad was a very stern man and, um so sid was just like this relief he was the loving he, dad he he just oh god i would sit there and watch him with the kids and I, and then he would include me and pull me you know pull me up and it was it was very important, you know. I mean, every part of the Beatles story, you know, it's the one missing piece of eight days a week. It's wonderful. It's lovely done, but they don't come to America without our beautiful friend Sid making a phone call out no. of the clear blue absolutely. and going, you know, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of one of the major steps, was it not? You know, absolutely. When, Changed everything. When he, he said to me, you know, I realized later that reason they gave me Carnegie Hall. I said, I have mm-hmm. these four guys. From Liverpool, right. and they assumed I meant a string quartet. <laughs> I never told them it was a rock band, and they never asked. Right. So I got them, and it's my Andrew knows my favorite story. Um, he goes to leave a deposit, and Nat Posnick, he remembered the guy's name in the box office, says, Bernstein, 
How many nights you book these kids for? Mm. I got two shows. Right. Can I tell you something? You should have booked them for two months. Right. I have the phone off the hook. And he just thought, well, where can you, how many people could I tell? He goes, you could sell 50,000 tickets. And just thought, well, where could you put 50,000 people? Oh, the Yankees, they probably wouldn't talk to me. There's a new stadium in Queens. Hello. Shay. My name is Sid. (laughs) Could I rent out the stadium? Mm. No, it's not a joke. And look, and there we are. Stadium Rock is born because our friend. What a ballsy move, huh? Yeah. You know, English people didn't get it. What was that, 64? 64. I mean, Shay? Yeah. It it was never done. Wasn't done. And it's so funny because he he was saying, you couldn't really hear anything except girls screaming. Right. You know, how big was the PA then? They, they built know. them special lamps. They built them 50-watt amps, so oh. that should take care of everything. <laughs> There's 50,000 kids screaming, and the only PA was the speaker was the PA announcer, ladies and gentlemen. Those weird, just those metal speakers. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, exactly. Ed Cranepool. That's Ed all they Cranepool. had. Oh, you're going back to the Met. I'm a Met guy. What? Me too, man. Of course. You grew up in Brooklyn. We're Mets guys. Ed Cranepool, Tom Seaver, John Matlack, Duffy Dyer, Felix Mian. Nice. Uh, Art Shamsky. Cleon Jones. I'm at left field. Yep. And then, I remember when uh, when uh, when Willie came and played for a couple years. Oh, yeah. 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 Even at the end of his career, early 70s, he took us to the World Series, 73. Yeah. Todd McGraw. Every, I would, my grandfather, that we used to go to the games. We'd get on really? that, We'd get on that, on that train. The seven and train. And go out to Flushing, and we'd, we'd go to those games, man. It's so funny. I feel so close to you just in terms of having grown up slightly different eras, but the experience, the passion for music. And I look at this new album, Raise Vibration. This record's myself. This is all just you. And Craig Ross, my, my guitarist and my partner who engineered the record. Where'd you record it? In the Bahamas, in Eleuthera, at my studio. Nice. At Gregory Town Sound, yeah. You know, it's like you've, you've used, to me, you've used fame and fortune for all the right reasons. It's how my fantasy as a kid would be to have that, to have the board for me and my studio, mm. to be, have your own studio so that the clock isn't running and you can oh, just yeah. create. It's beautiful. I have a, a great collection of old gear. The main board is a Helios board, which is, would be uh, like the ones from Olympic. So like, uh, you know, Hendrix, Zeppelin. Right. It's great sounding uh, a board. And, you know, got all the old mics and compressors and EQ. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, Fantasy studio to work on. And it's on the beach. <laughs> done, done, yeah. and done. Okay, one last geek music yeah. question. It's one last gig. you got to just grab one guitar to go out on stage with. Mm. So you, you, one, one last song, one last guitar. What's, what's the one you reach for? I, I have a 58 Les Paul that, in the studio that's my favorite. It's a beat old gold top, and it's, uh, it's my favorite. It's been on all the records since I've gotten it. Really? Yeah. Makes an appearance on everything. Every record it's on. It's the best sounding guitar I've got. Yeah. How many guitars do you have? Now, I don't know, a hundred and something. I used to have about 300 guitars and I sold a bunch of them. Just, you know. So they should be played. They should be played. Exactly. And I had like specimens, like the ones you don't touch. Right. You know, like the guy in Spinal Tap. Don't look at it. (laughs) Um, And I I got rid of those to people who want them for that reason. I I want player guitars. Yeah, exactly. Lenny Kravitz, thanks so oh, much for coming here, by. Man. This is such a joy for me. Thank you for having me. The album, Raise Vibration. Yes, Don't sir. miss this. Don't miss this album. You're going to hear it and see it everywhere. And know you always have a home here. Come back. We'll get some good New York deli. We'll go to Thank a Met you. game and we'll be real. <laughs> good to see you, brother.